You're listening to The Savings Tip Jar with Dom Beattie and Harrison Asprey, powered by savings.com.au, your home of consumer finance news, guides and product comparisons. G'day, welcome. You are listening to The Savings Tip Jar podcast with myself, Dom Beattie, and as always, joined by our very own agent provocateur, Harrison Asprey. G'day, Harrison. And also saboteur, Dom. Saboteur. Saboteur. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming with me on this journey, this other podcast. And, and I should uh, say to our listeners that we're not in the Big Beat Laboratory for the first time in a while. So we're doing this uh, virtually uh, just due to timing and whatnot. So uh, I'll try and get our voices as crispy as possible for you still. Um, but yeah, so episode 31, Dom, um, is a good one on this rainy afternoon in, in Brisbane. Um, and in some rain up there, up there, yeah, we going dry out here. A, a, cl- a cloud um, came over. I saw it come over the city, and it's just hit my place. So, uh, and on the down radar, uh, it's looking a little bit, a little bit patchy. So, I hope everyone had their umbrellas in Brisbane today. But um, what will be hopefully a bright spot on the radar is this podcast. Um, and uh, I should mention uh, today's upcoming guest is uh, Anson Parker. He's the uh, Chief Product Officer at Upbake, or, or Up, um, I should say. Uh, he's here to talk about some new features that are coming from Up, the Neobank. So yeah, that's, that should be a good one. And uh, without further ado, we'll uh, let's get off the top with the news. So this one's um, on our website, savings.com.au. It's by Anna and one of our journalists there. Uh, it's about monthly inflation. So uh, the monthly inflation indicator came, came out today, actually. Uh, on Wednesday, um, and in the twelve months to July, uh, inflation rose four point nine percent. Now that sounds like a lot, but it's actually um, kind of below a couple of forecasts, and it's down from peaks earlier in the year. So, uh, CBA forecast four point seven, NAB forecast four point nine, Westpac four point eight, and ANZ were the outliers there at five and a half percent. So it's come down, I think, a lot quicker than a few people anticipated. Don. Yeah, I've seen some people celebrating this news as, as you know, basically cementing that this is the end of this rate hike cycle and, you know, the rates are going to be on hold or perhaps even cut uh, sooner than we think. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's coming down inflation, which is great to see. Other people, you know, saying, oh, don't celebrate too soon because, um, you know, this one uh, included the, the much lower petrol prices that we did see through July, which have, I don't know if all around the country it's about the same, but right now I've, I'm filling up for $2.20 plus at yeah, the moment crazy. For, for 91 unleaded. So uh, yeah, obviously those fuel prices have shot right back up now. Um, I think they're higher than, the, than they ever were. Um, uh, yeah, going back a long time. Well, or perhaps even history. I, don't, I honestly don't remember petrol prices being this high. Um, perhaps they would have gone this high had we not had the... Um, the fuel excise discount um, back in uh, what was that 2021 I think that was 22 yeah that's 22 is when it ended so um, um, the government cut its tax in half so it's important to note too that for every litre of petrol you put in I think around 47 cents of that price goes to the government so um, yeah it's uh, and you know they're not liking the, the advent of electric cars because they're not using fuel so um, but yeah yeah uh, Fuel prices are a core component of inflation, um, and also like uh, 
energy prices too. Uh, I, I think I was reading that they don't um, get taken into account until the last month of the quarter. So with July, right. the, the quarterly read um, on inflation is a bit more accurate. Um, so, yeah. Well, this one still showed electricity prices had risen six percent, but uh, they, you know, the main reason, like apparently, without the uh, the various different government rebates on offer, you know, up here in Queensland. We got, uh, I think it was $550 off our bills. Um, that that uh, rise would have been 15%. Yeah. So yeah. obviously, yeah, <laughs> the government's kind of, yes, yeah, kind of spending money to to um, keep inflation down. But I think we spoke in earlier podcasts long, long ago, uh, that whole, um, you know, debate whether uh, when, a, when a government is, is basically spending to keep your power prices down, is that just putting more money into consumers' pockets and thereby also keeping inflation higher over the long term? Um, speaking of um, power prices and things that are often tied with this concept, uh, climate change. So the RBA has actually done a talk about climate change, would you believe, uh, saying uh, how it could disrupt how the RBA considers the cash rate. So basically, um, we had Michelle Bullock, the, um, the the incoming new governor. I believe she's starting next month. Um, she said uh, the energy transition uh, might boost uh, electricity prices, thereby driving inflation upwards. Obviously, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of these um, coal plants that we've been so reliant on for so long uh, being, uh, you know, shut down. Well, a lot of them are needing to be replaced anyway, but instead of replacing them, we're uh, shutting them down to make way for these... Um, you know the, the, the new sort of uh, renewable um, technologies that um, you know we well, the government was promising that uh, it would bring our power bills down by what was it two hundred and seventy five dollars a year for the average average punter. Yeah, so much for that. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think I saw there was a fact check on that by the um the on the ABC, and uh, you know they said it's it's until the end of twenty twenty four, so they've got a bit of time. <laughs> Yeah, and plus the power price will have to fall a lot more than 275 since they've risen by so much. Um, Because when they made that promise was, what, the 2021 or 2022 or something like that? Um, So it'd have to go 275 below what the prices were back then. So, yeah, long way to go. Uh, um, uh, So, yeah, Michelle Bully was also saying severe weather events could hamper supply chains and decimate employment. Um, saying that climate change could also reduce the value of 7.5% of properties, so mainly coastal and by the beach by as much as 5%. Would you make of all that has? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? And to reduce it to such a very simplistic term is that climate change is inflationary. Um, and it's pretty pretty simple when you think of, you know, if there's more weather events or whatever, more bushfires, more, more extreme weather events rather, um, cyclones and whatnot, you know, a lot of uh, fruit is grown in the Pacific um, and a lot of other resources too, like you think of North Queensland. Um, you think about, I think it was 15 years ago, was it Cyclone Yasi or whatever in uh, North Queensland uh, decimated all the all the banana oh, yeah, crops, the price of bananas, you know, more gold. So it, it makes sense that mm. if you extrapolate that over a longer period of time mm. and across the world that, yeah, that's, it's pretty, pretty simple to understand that way. Um, no doubt the RBA started a bunch of modeling and whatever. Um, I do remember with the cyclone Yasi <laughs> when that happened um, and the banana price has gone through the roof, 
like you knew who the rich kids were in the schoolyard if they were seen eating a banana at lunchtime. I always found that quite funny. Yeah. Oh, he must be one of those rich kids. He can eat bananas. <laughs> I should have should have wore around the neck. It was a badge of honor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, speaking of spending, maybe not on bananas per se, but uh, it turns out that the uh, ABS latest retail trade figures, uh, as reported by Brooke on our um, website, InfoChoice, um, shows that uh, the World Cup and school holiday spending saw the overall retail uh, turnover figure rise uh, 0.5% in Australia over July. So I think the World Cup started late July or even mid-July and then school holidays too um, was around then. So uh, total retail turnover was um, $35.4 billion, uh, up from $35.2 billion the month prior. Um, and when we say World Cup, we mean the associated spending on yeah, food at cafes, restaurants and um takeaway services and department stores too if you're getting your your Tilly's jersey um and it'll be interesting to see if the uh, if the rba comments on that at next week's monetary policy meeting at all um is a pretty modest rise overall um but in per capita terms just sort of due to all the population growth that's actually down and if you consider inflation to it, it it would be down as well so uh, i'm not sure how much the rba will actually uh, read into that next week yeah i um the <laughs> I went to one of the Matildas games, uh, the, the one in Brisbane against France. I went to that nail-biting penalty shootout. And, yeah, I was looking at, at my spending. Obviously, there's the ticket itself, which were, uh, I think it was $80 per adult. So there was uh, five of us that went. Um, but uh, just I was tallying up how much I spent on, like, food and drinks in the stadium. It was insane. I spent uh, well over $100 um, wow. just on getting beers and um yeah, I treated myself to a, to a burger as well. I got got a bit hungry. Uh, got a packet of chips as well. So if it was a long game, it went through extra time and then penalty shootouts as well. Mm. I was I was getting hungry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just all all the drinks. But obviously that those weren't just on on me. I was buying drinks for for people I was with as well. But uh, yeah, it just shows you how much how much spending really goes on. Oh, not to mention as well, we we did go out on the day of. You know, I ducked out to um, Rebel Sports, picked up scarves for for me and 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 other people in my family uh so yeah i i I totally get it i can totally see the spending surge that would have taken place uh then you've got those people who are just frantically flying all around the country trying to follow Mm. matildas around wherever they could trying to get tickets um so people definitely would have spent a month so because understandably so it was seen as you know a once in a lifetime event you know how often are we going to have a home world cup in australia i mean there's talk of maybe we'll have the men's world cup here uh, in you know 10 20 years or so but uh, there's no guarantee of that so naturally people were were going out of their way to, to spend um so yeah I can I can see why um, that uh, retail trade number would have gone back up obviously it's coming back off from that huge dip the month before mm-hmm. uh, what was it fell 0.8 or something like that yeah pretty crazy uh people are just tightening up the purse strings but it just yeah. show that uh, a huge bet that the whole country can get around uh, kind of is can be a place where people still spend if they're mm-hmm. feeling good and for the first time in a while I, I sensed a sense of optimism you know in the streets like I think there was mm. there was a um, a day where or like a weekend where the Matildas played the Broncos played and the Lions played all in Brisbane and there was a definite act yeah, that was a- in, in the air and that was like a really good and people were out at bars and cafes and whatnot at the Caxton Hotel getting warm overpriced beers for you know, from very early on so a uh, huge inflationary event 
and maybe you know the com games on the Gold Coast will be inflationary for the three people that are going to attend. But we don't know if that's happening. <laughs> well, yeah, we've heard. Um, yeah, Tom Tay, the mayor on the Goldie, has uh, yeah put his hand up to for, for the Goldie to, to host the com games again. Yeah, the beauty of sport is though that um, you know, no matter no matter what you're going through in in life, um, you can just set all those worries aside and just watch a watch a game of football or rugby or, or AFL or you know athletics at the com games um so it's uh, you know we're never gonna begrudge people for uh, spending too much money on, on going to these these big events because yeah it's good for your good for your mental health your, your well-being um something that's not so good for your well-being is uh mortgage stress now uh, our journalist harry o'sullivan has written an article for savings to today you uh, revealing that nearly a third of aussies with home loans were at risk of mortgage stress in the three months to july in uh, this year, with more than 20% at extreme risk. So this is uh, new data from Roy Morgan, and their CEO warns that new inflationary pressures could see rates go up again, uh, potentially leading to further mortgage pain. Um, I don't know if she's, she probably said those quotes uh, just before the latest inflation figures uh, have come out, showing that the you know the the annual monthly series had come down to to 4.9%, but. I mean, there is still that risk, of course, that uh, inflation. I mean, it's still way above the uh, the two to three percent target range that the RBA have. So, uh, if it, if it you know can becomes quite sticky around the four percent or even like three and a half mark, I can imagine old Shelley Bullock probably thinking she might have to pump the the rate up uh, at least one or two more times. So, yeah, that wouldn't be too much fun for those who are currently. Ex- uh, experiencing extreme mortgage stress. Yeah, exactly right. And Australia is at a pretty uh, precarious position right now because um, if we look overlook to New Zealand, our friends across the Dutch, um, it looks like that they're kind of uh, experiencing and a lot of their economic indicators kind of lead out uh, by about three to six months or so in a lot of areas. And um, their inflation rate is still uh, 6%, um, despite a cash rate of 5.5%. So it kind of it's like Australia really risks um, not properly taming uh, this inflation beast, uh, as other as other guests have said uh, in weeks previous, um, and that inflation starts revving back up again, which just feeds into the whole mortgage stress scenario. Like if we don't get rid of this inflation, uh, really stamp it out, then it'll just prolong um, interest rate pain for a lot of these um, a lot of these mortgage stressed uh, customers. And it should be noticed too that mortgage stress is um, if you're spending. Thirty uh, percent or more of your income, of your gross income, um, towards a mortgage, um, and which it kind of more dramatic than it sounds because you don't see that gross income like it gets taxed. So if it's if you're spending thirty percent of your gross, you know it's but by, by the time it hits your bank account with taxes taken out, you're spending even a higher proportion mm-hmm. of your income on the mortgage. So it just it's even more exacerbated. But I think we're saying off air, Don, that a lot of um, mm. people who are classified as mortgage stress are actually super high income earners because after a while, you know, the, the price of a banana is fixed, you know, whether you're earning forty K or six hundred thousand dollars. So you can afford to splash more cash on the mortgage. So um a lot of those mortgage stress individuals or households are uh, super high income earners. It's not just uh, people who are doing a tough on the lower end, although there are a large number of those people now coming through as well. Yeah, no, it's it's really just there as a general guide, that thirty percent number um, you know, if, if you work out that you're spending more than thirty percent of your gross income on um, 
on on your mortgage uh <laughs> but you're not feeling stressed then i wouldn't stress about it because you'll probably be already feeling the stress yourself um but it is kind of a good sort of general guide for, for people who are you know looking to take a, a home loan and um you know using the borrowing power calculators just because a lender is willing to lend you um you know a certain amount doesn't mean you, you should borrow up to that certain amount you should really work out okay what are the repayments going to be okay how much of that um what percentage of that um does how much does that make up of my gross income you know is, mm-hmm. is it over 30 percent? maybe it's maybe it's a bit much but then yeah like you said if you're uh someone who's, who's earning a lot of money like say you know you're you're on half a million uh 30 percent of of that will you know They'll leave seventy percent. Seventy percent of five hundred thousand will still be probably quite quite a lot for you to to live off of. So yeah, um, yeah, worth keeping that in mind. But but still, it is concerning when when you do see these numbers showing that so many Aussies are, are at risk of mortgage stress. Yeah. All right, Has I think it's time to find out what's up with Ump, the yeah, new and, uh, digital trendy bank. Yeah, and just before we do that, um, I thought you know based on that mortgage stress story, we should just give a little bit of a plug to uh, Savings.com.au. So. Um, you can. It's a pretty powerful tool. I've used it before as our borrowing power calculator, as well as the mortgage calculator. So before you jump into a mortgage, find out if you can afford it. Um, and also, if you're looking to compare home loans, you know, uh, if you head to our home loans uh, comparison tool, uh, you can see that our rates start at 5.34% per annum, which is quite low in this uh, high rate environment. So yeah, definitely check that out if you're shopping around for a home loan. Um, and yeah. Yeah, and without further ado, let's get on to our chat with Anson. Now, while men- many Aussies seem compelled to do all their banking with the big four of Combank, Westpac, NAB and ANZ, there are other banks and lenders worth considering, some of which are driving change with innovative technologies, stylish interfaces and cool features. Up is one such bank, launching in 2018 amid something of a digital banking revolution. Other digital banks such as Zinger and Vault may have fallen away, but Up is still here. So joining us to tell us more is Up's Chief Product Officer, Anson Parker. Anson, welcome to the Savings Tip Jar. Thanks for having me. Awesome to be here. Thanks yes, for joining us. So the first question I have for you, uh, Up Home was a relatively recent addition to the product suite um, and I noticed that you can have up to 50 offset accounts on that home loan product. Uh, who's using up to 50 offset accounts and what's the most or, or the greatest number of offset accounts you've seen in use? Um, yeah, we uh, well look, it's, uh, we definitely have people that use all 50 um, and you know when we first uh, were speaking with Bendigo who was who provide that uh, home loan product uh, on, uh, underneath up like they were kind of, we, we certainly raised eyebrows when we said, oh, we want to have 50 offsets. Um, and their question was, well, who who would use 50 offsets? That sounds kind of complex. Um, and the reason that we wanted that many was because that's how many savings accounts you can have on up. And we wanted, uh, you know, people that got a home loan with up to not have to completely reset and change the way they bank. So that if you had 50 savers uh, on up today and, you know, people have that many for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's, you know, these envelope style budgeting systems where they're kind of breaking down expenses into, you know, dog food, cat food, uh, clothing, you know, like these small envelopes uh, uh, of uh, of savings. Um, you know, that, 
when those people went and if they got a home loan, their system would just keep working uh, and benefit them with that home loan. So the savers will automatically flip over to offsets, uh, which makes sense once you have a home loan. And yeah, you know, the system that you've sort of uh, set up and, and gotten familiar with, you can keep that system and, and get the maximum benefit from it. And so let's just talk a bit uh, more broadly about up itself as a bank. Um, I mean, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, in, in 2018, we seem to have some sort of um, like uprising against the big banks from all these new sort of digital banks that were going to shake things up and, and challenge them. Um, but then we did see some of those digital banks such as Zinja and Vault uh, fall away. What is it that up is doing differently that's, that's keeping up bank going strong? I think we, um, you know, we're able to get traction uh, early, uh, and I think uh, you know we had sort of a unique, I think, brand and product offering, maybe uh, compared to to some of those other um, uh, brands that, that are no longer here. But we also had a different operating model. Um, so instead of building an entire bank ourselves, um, getting our own ADI, which is the sort of the li- effectively the license you need to take deposits in Australia, um, and with that comes a whole bunch of reg- regulation and oversight, as as, as it should. Um, you know, it's incredibly expensive to 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 get that stuff set up and run it, and you basically need one or two floors for bankers um, to to run that system. Up have took a different approach in that we partnered with an existing bank, um, Ben to go bank in our case, and they were able to provide all of that ADI and core banking system and regu- regulatory kind of compliance and and risk framework. All of that stuff was effectively taken care of by. Um, by Bendigo and so we could focus on the customer experience and then sort of everything from the core banking system up instead and so that meant it was a lot uh, still complex and relatively expensive but nowhere near as much as that that full sort of you know ADI model um, which you know those those players you mentioned I think more of them started with that model so you know banking is actually a tough game the big four do make a lot you know large profits but you know there's there's a massive amount of overhead and complexity and increasingly so so you know it's um it was yeah a, a big advantage for us to not have to take all of that on day one sure and we're slightly now to the joint banking feature to up um myself and a couple other people i know use it and they and they enjoy it and they enjoy how easy it is to set up um so what sets it apart from other banks joint accounts and can i ask why does it take 30 days to close it down and open back up another one um so, I mean, in terms of what two up is, yeah, it's up. I guess our take on a joint account. Um, uh, I think the the difference between two up and a normal joint account is that we designed two up from the beginning to work alongside your personal finances. So typically, people would see joint account as as an effectively a replacement. Um, it's the t- you know, and and that often reflected in who would typically use a joint account would be a, a couple. Yeah, probably married, possibly even having a house together or kids, and it was almost that final step of all right. Now we're you know we're completely combined and we're, we now put our money together, and we saw that as like a real a big limitation, um, and not and and something that didn't need need to be true. And we saw a, you know for for people that you know in all different stages of, rela- of relationships that have some component of shared expenses, it could just be splitting some Uber Eats and you know the Netflix uh, bill. Or it could be, you know, more, more uh, living together. Um, you know that that maybe that that level of kind of uh, collaboration could just be something you would dial up, and you wouldn't have to just give away all of your own independence and privacy to make that happen. So, you know, two ups an interesting product in that you you cannot just 
become a two-up only customer. You join up and you get an up account and you can add a two-up account onto that. And that's really see how we see two-up used. I think it's something like one in four uh, upsiders have a two-up account. Um, and the way they use it is that is that blend. Some of them use, you know, it might be 80% uh, two-up, 20%. You know their their own up account or or a mixture really of that, um, and so I think that that's really exciting because it sort of opened up um, the space to a to a, a, a you know many more people, younger couples uh, that are able to get you know a much greater benefit out of it. Um, and I think like philosophically we end up you know feeling that like it's kind of maybe even healthy to have some amount of spending that is your own and not everything has to be completely a, an open book. Um, and so I think yeah, it's great to see that that are reflected in the in the uptake and you know the mo- most people with a two-up account have never had a joint account before so it's sort of appealing to a new and, and young demographic um in terms of closing down i mean you know it, we definitely see it as really important that two-up is easy to set up and and quick to shut down um that's just an area that we uh, that we're trying to improve it's you know this complexity in closing down bank accounts as we've learned things like uh paying any interest that's accrued and things like that just take time and so um you know part of the journey that up has been on and and working with a traditional banking partner is bringing that digitization automation uh sort of the whole way down the stack into the back office that that doesn't necessarily exist or didn't necessarily exist when we started so there's somewhat of a you know a, a bunch of work under the covers um to to help sort of transform elements of of a traditional bank to support yeah this the, the d- digital experience that we all expect these days um and so yeah i mean apologies for that delay shutting it down it's a, it's a feature that you could close it down quickly and start a new one but yeah it does it's not quite as fast as we'd like it to it just kidding um anton we saw recently that um upbank has announced it's uh launching um subscription packages or it's launching a trial of these uh, i believe it's, believe it's called up high um, can you tell us a bit more about this and, and whether this is the, the 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 new model, the new future of banking? Yeah, I mean, we we hope that it is. I mean, I think that um, you know, up, we launched with a yeah, basically no fee, certainly no monthly fees, and we we tried to delete as many of the fees as we could. Um, and we kind of don't believe that people should have to pay for that basic kind of transactional banking experience. Um, but we did want to give people the option of of yeah, opting in to pay for some additional. You know functionality configurability um you know experience uh if they want to and that that sort of subscription model is you know somewhat taken over the world right you look at music and uh streaming and all of these uh industries that have gone from you know purchasing purchasing or renting models into the subscription model and i think it's uh you know media too right and like a lot of newspapers now have that um and so i think it's a, a model that makes a lot of sense to people you can quantify um, the value of something and decide whether you want to, to pay for it or not. We we didn't want to do it in a way where we were sort of dropping a paywall on customers and, and making them pay for stuff. Like we really believe that Up should offer a really strong core experience out of the box that is free. But, you know, when you, uh, I guess, and give people the option to pay for it, you can also then justify, you know, investing even more in certain features, right, that are perhaps more niche in nature. So, you know, Up has a, a really a wide range of customers that use it from people that just are very um you know uh just enjoy finance i guess like they enjoy budgeting they belong to communities it's sort of a big uh interest of theirs you might even say you know we have that that section they love up and they 
they're the ones with 50 offsets usually. <laughs> um, but we have, you know, a, a mass market too that, um, you know, it's bound up as a really, um, you know, sort of uh, accessible and engaging way to sort of get better at money. And um, they're not necessarily after those real power user features. And so I think you have a bit of a dilemma as a product team when you have these really passionate loyal customers that want the, cust- the product to keep getting more powerful and more configurable. Um, you've got to trade that off with having something that's still really accessible and easy to use. Um, and so I think in a way we can use a subscription model as a as a means to fund some of that um, development into into that more niche power user, you might say, type functionality. Um, and so I think that you know it's important for us that customers don't see this as us dropping a paywall or, or deciding, hey, we we could do this stuff for free, but we're not going to anymore. I think a lot of the benefit will be features that we could never have, we probably wouldn't have got around to developing if we, if we didn't have a, a, a revenue stream to to effectively justify them. Um, and, you know, it's also, I think, an opportunity for us to really flex the brand and, and you know, play in the merchandise space and the, the event space too, and not just build sort of a, you know, we, we didn't want to call it up plus or up pro, we really wanted to sort of reflect um, something a bit more, a bit more broader and a bit closer to the brand, so that we can, you know, leverage some of the partners we have in events and music to offer, offer, um, you know, benefits to our subscribers in that space too. And really, over time, I think just build more and more, pack more and more value into it. Um, so we, you know, we're very light on detail at the moment in terms of what we've talked about. We currently we describe what we've done as sort of a expression of interest um, stage. So we really wanted to to build this uh, with our customers and not just kind of drop it on top of them so part of that is understanding what is the appetite for this and um here you know suggesting some of the features that we that we think could make up uh, a subscription offering and then just seeing how interested people are in those features um so that's really a phase right now now we're not we're not really talking uh dollars yet um and i think the the next phase will probably go to will be more of an early access phase again which which may not be the monthly subscription there may be sort of a one-off fee to get into it but it will be an early look at some of those um, some of those features uh, and benefits uh, and you know at, at a point in time when we think the value is there and people are happy to pay for it that's when we'll move to that monthly subscription for sure and with all these banking features uh, coming into the fray um, you could argue that uh, that upbank's uh, interest rate on its savings account isn't as competitive as you know the market leaders um, what do you say to those people who think it is too low because um, it, it is lower than I think Bendigo's top top interest rate. Yeah, I think it's um it's sort of a complex uh, area because you know um you know there there can be higher rates out there, but then often those higher rates can come with strings attached. It could be you know a, a maximum deposit amount, or it could be a set of qualification qualification criteria. I mean, I think there's a um there's a cynical take on some of these rates, which is that you know the institutions offering them are able to model their interest in a way where they know a bunch of people are going to fail to qualify to that, for that for that interest. And so even though on paper it may look like they're paying a really high rate, uh, or they are if you if you meet the criteria, they know their effective rate is going to be a fair bit lower than that because yeah, people are going to fail to meet those uh, qualification criteria. And when they do, they're going to go from something that might be you know 5 or 6% down to something that might be half a percent. Um, and so we didn't want to sort of play that game. We want to, you know, we up does have like a five transaction qualification to an interest. That's that's to make sure people aren't just sort of parking money with us um, and not not engaging with the product. You know, we just wanted to set a bar and a low bar. And I think it's something, you know, ninety six percent of our customers qualify for that interest. 
um, basically everybody qualifies for it. So it's sort of, and, and, you know, we have, I think our cap is like a million dollars. So most normal people never get close to that cap. So effectively you can sort of think of it as sort of uncapped and all, yeah, all but guaranteed to qualify for it. So I think it's, you know, that, that, that's part of it, um, as well. And I think that there's, there's an element to interest rate at, at times too, which is sort of the, they're a bit of a, you know, they're sort of the bait to get new customers. They might sometimes their introductory rates, uh, or, you know, maybe in the future they won't be so, um, so good. So yeah, look, it really does. I think there's that, there's that side of it. There's also just the reflecting the, um, you know, the, 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 the money you can generate from that, you know, like in banks, are have various efficiencies at, at doing that. I mean, uh, basically has a very new home loan business. So we're not necessarily able to lend all of our, uh, deposits out uh, to our home loans customers just yet we have more 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 uh, deposits than we do home loans right now so things will change over time the, the rate will um yeah in theory i'd love to have the best rate in the market because i think that's just that's only ever going to help your business but whether or not you can actually afford to do that uh is, is a different matter yeah i've certainly heard of a few from a few uh bank customers who do say that they are happy to um you know earn a lower interest rate than they could uh otherwise with with one of the the, the top uh, savings accounts on the market because of upbank's uh, great sort of features and functionality so i think that really says something that there is some value in that uh anton it's been great having you on the savings tip jar podcast really appreciate your insights thanks so much for joining us thanks for having me thanks anton so that was anson parker ups chief product officer with some pretty cool insights into uh you know what's going on at uh, the the bank uh what do you make of all that has yeah uh thought it was a good chat and uh we few, uh, threw a few uh, harder ones at him um and at the end of the day too so, you know they're trying to they're trying really hard to bring bring up the new tech stack uh while at the same time dealing with the legacy bank like bendigo bank so that's why my uh, joint account hasn't been able to open yet from closing my old one to opening my new one uh it takes up to 30 days so um yeah it was a good chat and there's a, a couple of um exciting features along the way and I, I know there's a few um loyal upsiders uh around the forums and online and stuff who and Anderson highlighted these guys too they're kind of just a finance, finance product nerds and they they like what um upbank has to offer and I, I must say too you know as a as a customer um the the app is pretty swish and it's very easy to move money around and a few good features like uh, no foreign transaction fees and whatnot um, on the on the card, which is a, a free feature, and it'll be interesting to see what the uh, new uh, subscription sort of Netflix mm. making um, is. It is it a uh, is it just a, a an account keeping fee by another name, or is it actually going to be like a, a feature packed sort of product that you can buy into? So um, we'll keep an eye out for that one, doll. Yeah, I'll, uh, I might have to download the app myself and have a little play around and uh, just uh, get a feel for it. Um, so that uh, probably wraps up another episode of the Savings Tip Jar. Um, thanks again for joining us and thank you, Haz, for shooting the breeze and talking finance as always. Shooting the breeze with these and uh, have a look at these bees knees. Um, yeah, that no, was another great episode. And uh, yeah, thanks to Anson once again. Um, I won't be starting the uh, home loan rate wrap again anytime soon uh, for loyal listeners from, from day one, um, if you remember that. But yeah, another great episode. And thanks to you, Dom. Yeah, cheers, Has. And don't forget, guys, uh, to visit savings.com.au for all the latest news 
and um, information on products and rates. Uh, keep on top of your finances there. Um, and don't forget, if you're a fan of the podcast, uh, give us a good rating and um, feel free to hit that subscribe button too. And um, as always, if you've got any thoughts or comments about the podcast, uh, shoot us an email at inquiries at savings.com.au and that's inquiries with an E. Uh, Thank you very much. Cheers. Till later. Bye. Till next time. Sorry. Bye.